Hello, everybody. I'm John Atak, and um, this is my very good friend, Yuval Law. Um, hello, Yuval. Hello. And um, Yuval has a PhD in cultural studies, and uh, his, what should we say, mentor was Eva Yablonka for, for yeah. his master's degree and his PhD, who is one of the world's leading experts on evolutionary theory. And um, it isn't quite what? as simple as Richard Dawkins would have us believe. Let's put it that way. Um, and I, I've been, yeah, for the last, anybody who's been watching, for the last year or so, I've oh. been digging around in various Nazi and neo-Nazi ideas to, to try and get a grip on them. One of the core ideas out of which the Nazis came was Aryan race theory. So I'm just going to sketch that in a little bit. Um, there was a crazy Russian woman called Helena Blavatsky, who during her own lifetime was exposed by the uh, British Society for Psychical Research um, as a fraud. And her tricks were, were exposed. There was particularly, she used this little cabinet where she'd, there'd be little empty drawers and suddenly there was something in the drawer and her servants admitted to the investigator, they were the other side, pulling the drawer out, putting something in it, which is not really magic. So she was a fraud, but she was a tremendously influential fraud. And one of her ideas, and she said that, that she received messages from Tibetan masters who were, I can't remember if they were nine feet tall and 800 years old or eight feet tall and 900 years old. Well, she, she travels to Asia. But... Yeah, she didn't travel to Tibet. <laughs> um, the, that, that's um, that, that, that is just... That's, it's, it's a myth. But she said that she was receiving these telepathic messages and good for her. And one of the things she said was that the lost continent of Atlantis, which Plato, of course, mentioned, um, and might well have been a description of, of Crete and, and things that happened there, but who knows. But this had been populated by people who whom she termed the Aryans. And they had uh, superpowers. Um, which, when it, the Aryan race theory was developed by a couple of Austrians called Lenz and Litzt, um, they grabbed onto this idea because physics was just about talk, beginning to talk about the electron. This is around about 1900. And so the Aryans were said to have electron powers. We're not quite sure what that would mean, but... Um, and. This, the idea was that they'd miscegenated. They had bred with lesser people who did not have superpowers and were evidently more attractive than the Aryans, which is why they wanted to breed with them, I imagine. Um, and this had, they'd lost their powers. And the idea of Aryan race oh. theory, which comes up in Austria as the Austro-Hungarian Empire is going into turmoil and the various different um, language groups are fighting against each other. And we have pan-Slavism, which we are now seeing in full-blown full disorder in the Ukraine with, with the Russians putting forward some bizarre kind of idea. Um, but that was one movement and the other was Aryanism. And Aryanism is, is the core of Nazi belief. Um, Himmler, who was the founder of the SS and the head of the SS, uh, the head of the Gestapo and the Minister for the Interior 
in Germany, set up a ministry called the Arnenerb, which had 50 departments in it, which were researching um, folk tales and fairy stories and trying to make out of them some picture of the past. Um, their research was nonsense. Um, it did give grounds for Indiana Jones to get involved, but that's about as real as it, as it ever got. Out of the Arnenerb came the Lebensborn, which was uh, Himmler's idea of breeding superpowers, and I'm not kidding, breeding superpowers back into people. And uh, so they would choose tall, blonde, blue-eyed SS men and um, <clears throat> breed them. And uh, the, the only famous person I know is the, the dark-haired woman in ABBA was actually a Lebensborn child. Uh, don't think she has any superpowers. Uh, the project didn't really work. And if we look to history, it's evident that the Nazi regime collapsed. And um, th there are rumours that they went to the South Pole or the moon, but um, we're not really seeing much evidence of that at the moment. So here is this idea of racial purity. And that, that's where I wanted to now get in. Talk with somebody who well, understands well, this. Also, I'll, I'll, I'll add that the, the, the word Aryan, um, which comes from a historical people that, and it's actually, um, it it's, was very big in philology, right? So when they figured out that there is an Indo-European language group, they start to imagine that, that's all, that there's also a racial uh, correspondence to, to the language, but both the words uh, for the, the names of the countries of Iran and Ireland are related to the word Aryan. <laughs> so it's, you know, it comes from this, you know, Indo-European disbursement of language of that seems uh, that uh, that did happen in some kind of way, but we just don't know how homogenous Proto-Indo-European language was or how homogenous the original Aryans are. But the idea that the original Aryans are the fathers of all the Indo-European language speakers or only the certain Aryans is, of course, completely preposterous. So, And these Indo-European languages include all of the Romance languages, which is to say the languages that come from Roman, uh, Latin, French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, um, and Romanian. And the and, Slavic languages. And the German language group. Germanic languages, yeah. Germanic languages and the Slavic languages. So in fact, these... And, and the Hindi, Hindi and Kurdish. Kurdish is Indo-European, um, but Turkish and Arabic are not. And, and so. in, in Europe itself, Finno-Ugaric in, in Finland yeah. and the Magyar language of the Hungarians, which are strangely related to each other in some way, and the Basque language. But otherwise, pretty much all of Europe has Indo-European yeah. or Aryan languages. So <laughs> just to give one example, um, in, in English, we tend to have both the Romance language, the Romance and the German words for things. And... Um, so, for example, we have the word beef and we have the word cow. And beef comes from birth, the, the French, and cow comes from the German languages. And their, the original word is, is said to be the word coup. 
So it became boof in one language and cow in another. Um, words for milk, uh, they get very interested in, but we won't get into that. So, so uh, the, the, the idea of, of, first of all, if there's any way to talk about race, human races in a coherent manner, uh, it's only about groups that have specific genetic diseases. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Any other discussion is, uh, is, is very problematic and it's not, it's, it's not based on biology. So, um, so certain heritage diseases like Huntingdon's career, for example, you could say yeah, or sickle cell anemia or Tay-Sachs disease. Yeah, but even time. then, you cannot say, right? So if you look at Tay-Sachs disease, which is common amongst Ashkenazi Jews and French Canadians, that does not mean that there's any connection between Ashkenazi Jews and French Canadians. It, it, it's many times it's a founder effect. And um, it's, it's trying to uh, um, use genetic relatedness to give historical narratives doesn't work longer than maybe 50 years or 70 years. Um, it can rule out uh, certain historical narratives, but it cannot prove anything. So for example, in Israel, there would be people who would look for um, relatedness uh, between uh, Jews that lived in, let's say, uh, uh, Syria or Turkey and Jews that lived in Moscow. Uh, and or, or Jews that come from Baghdad or Iraq and Jews that come from Poland. Mm -hmm. And when they find a, a gene that they share, uh, they say, well, that's proof for a common origin. Now, the thing is that to share a gene, there's many, many ways to share a gene that are not common origin. Um, so they say that that genetic relatedness is a proof of a historic Judea where the Jews were expelled from. But from using that logic, you could say that if we would find a genetic relatedness between a person in Mexico and a person in, in Madrid, we could uh, say that that proves that 2000 years ago, there was a Mexicano-Spanish empire <laughs> nation that was the common origin. While in fact, the, the, the reason why the, the, the Jew in, in, in Poland and the Jew in Iraq might share a gene is might be because they're both raped by the same Mongols 800 years ago, or, you know, by, by there, there were Seljuks, there was all sorts of empires that went all over Eurasia and spread all sorts of genes. And um, so even when you do find a genetic relatedness between populations that does not in any way mean a common origin. It, it's, it's means that there was some kind of relatedness, but um, it really it, it really doesn't, it cannot guide historical narrative. It can sometimes disprove certain historical narratives, mm. but also the, the, this discussion, we're at the very end of having distinct uh, um, human populations that have not intermarried. Yeah. Uh, by one, by one uh, theory, they say that the last person who's the, the last ancestor of all humanity probably lived around 2000 years ago. Um, but the 
Um, now there are more types of humans than there ever were. There are people who are half West African, half Chinese, which you never had until 100, 200 years ago. Yeah. Um, these are these are so we have this huge increase in 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 variation. People, you know, and and there's a South Park episode where people from the future come and they're all brown because all the races mixed, but that might be in you know 30,000 years in the next thousand years we're going to have a lot a much increase in variation so more and more uh different types of humans are going to show up and they're going to break the the records in the olympic games because there's going to be some kind of of new combinations but of course that's that's it, it the increase of variation is is on on all sides of of uh, uh, the biological diversity. So um, the, the, a key thing to thinking about this kind of, uh, uh, you know, Aryan or, or seeing yourself as um, related to people in the ancient world is to realize that there are simultaneously, there's two trees of life, right? So. On the one hand, you can look at the past and say that you have two parents, four grandparents, eight great grandparents, and that's an exponential function and that grows very fast. So in 10 yeah. generations, you have a thousand ancestors. In 20 generations, which is about 500 years ago, you have a million ancestors. And each one of those people that walk around in 1500 of those million people who are your ancestors have, each one of them has a million ancestors in the year 1000. Huh? right so um that's why you become related to everybody extremely fast huh. and the only reason that the, the last common ancestor for all humanity is 2000 years ago is because there's some islands in the pacific that haven't interbred that much if you didn't have them there would be you know it would be a thousand years ago that huh. would be the last person or, or genghis khan might genghis be khan. yeah yet again because that's so in, uh, in popular culture, for example, in the Da Vinci Code, you have uh, uh, a character who is a direct descendant of Jesus, mm. right? So Jesus is about 80 generations ago, yep. right? So 80 generations ago, each 10 generations is, is a, a thousand. So each 20 generations is a, a, a million. So Jesus is one millionth, 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 millionth of her. Now, we only have 20 to 30 or so thousand genes. So of the million ancestors that you had in the year 1500, you're only genetically related to 30,000. Yeah. Because there's a random 30,000 of those million that gave you your genes. Yeah. Right. Uh, so to talk about relatedness longer than, you know, 200 years to say that I'm a descendant of whatever Henry VIII or something. It, it 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 really doesn't make much sense beyond you know a hobby. Huh. <laughs> so you can yeah. Now we have to remember also that this tree of life also goes in the other direction. So if you uh, in ten generations, if you have children and they continue to have children, there would be maybe a thousand people. And you know, in ten generations, that are your descendants. But each one of them 
is one tenth of one percent you. Yeah. And those people are going to be black and Asian and mixed and also, <laughs> no, you're going to be their ancestor, but 999 other people are also going to be their ancestors. Um, now, this tree of life can become a stick when you have extreme interbreeding, <laughs> um, inbreeding, right? Uh, and that is actually very, very damaging and very, of course, problematic. You get all sorts of nasty stuff happening. So the, the idea of, of the Nazis to breed superpowers, um, now in, in domesticated animals like dogs, we, we did manage to breed the dogs that are both healthy to some level, but also really love herding sheep, for example. Right. So you can do incredible things with breeding, but you really need to do it over a really, really, really long time, a lot longer than, than you imagine. Because if you just do uh, a st very strict breeding based on, on something like that, um, first of all, you will get a lot of unintended consequences. And there's a, a great uh, uh, book about the domestication of the, the silver fox that happened in the 20th century as an experiment in, in the Soviet Union, um, where all sorts of, you know, they start breeding foxes based on how tame they are. And suddenly all sorts of new phenotypes, new types of fox showed up that, that they never had before. But also, there, they were very careful not to breed uh, relatives and, and things like that. Um, so uh, if, if the, the, the simple breeding, that usually ends up with a lot of, a lot of, uh, of a very unhealthy uh, <laughs> specimen. If we look at dogs, dogs are all descended from wolves. All mm -hmm. of our dogs, which is still an incredible thought to me having grown up with a little poodle that was that big. Um, and some time ago, about 20 years ago, the BBC stopped broadcasting the Crufts dog show because it was put forward that some of the types of dogs that, that were being shown, uh, the King Charles Spaniel as an example, um, and the pug and the bulldog things with pushed-in faces, that they have been bred to have certain difficulties. With King Charles Spaniel, its brain case is not big enough for its brain. And so they develop all sorts of terrible problems. So it was decided that you know, maybe we ought to be a bit more careful about this. So yes, you can start getting um, acceptations, accidental Mm -hmm. um, traits that, that you don't want to have. In, in the royal families, we have, of course, the Habsburg chin, which you can see in portraits of the, the Spanish kings and the Austro-Hungarian emperors, that they developed this enormous chin. And they certainly, um, some of them were, were quite mad. You know, the, in the, uh, I don't like to say this about my own royal family, but we know about the madness of King George, George III, yeah. uh, the man who, who should have settled problems with America and didn't. And he had a condition called porphyria, which turned his urine purple um, and was passed down and, and still exists in the royal family. It's now a treatable condition. But uh, I think one of the uh, present queen's uncles was hospitalised. And of course, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm's sister was hospitalised for insanity. So... Things can go yeah, no. badly wrong the, the, when you breed too closely. 
the, 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 there, there is a, 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 a strong connection between racism and, uh, I mean, I, I've heard people refer to racism as aristocracy for the masses. <laughs> so, this, so if in the past aristocrats felt like they were better because they had the blue blood or mm. whatever they imagined, now you can give that to the masses. They just need to, they, they just feel better than other people, which they imagine to be of other races. Mm. But um, the same reproductive isolation, which is uh, um, demanded of the aristocrats, is also then inherited with as part of racism as well. Now, the uh, the reproductive isolation or keeping the blood pure, or, or many times you imagine that while actually not doing it. So, um, for example, uh, uh, a Jew from 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 Poland might marry a Jew from Yemen thinking that they're keeping the blood pure because of some Jewish racial theory that they believe, but in reality, they're not keeping it. They're, they're going to have very healthy children because it's actually that there is a thing called hybrid vigor, right? So actually being mixed turned out to have been healthy, hmm. um, especially when regarding to, to genetic diseases. But also I think that having mixed what what are called mixed race of course the, the, <laughs> you know when races are, are are imagined the mixed races are imagined too but what we call mixed races or or people who come from more distant populations they both have the advantage of not having genetic diseases or or less likely to but also have they have the advantage of less being susceptible to becoming racist <laughs> which is a, a big a big advantage i think <laughs> because they don't imagine themselves as pure. And of course, nobody is pure. Or, I mean, if you are pure, you're probably horribly inbred. <laughs> um, now, the, the thing that, that, that many times save uh, populations from inbreeding is infidelity, especially between women or the adoption of, of children. So many times, be, it, it, it doesn't require much outbreeding to get rid of the problems of inbreeding. It's actually surprisingly, you know, in very, very few generations, those Habsburgs can become healthy people. It's, it's not, it doesn't linger more than a few generations. Um, so if you, every once in a while, you have injection of outside genes, which come from the, the milkman, <laughs> come from the, you know, uh, uh, then that really uh, can have a very, very healthy uh, influence mm. while maintaining the imagination that you're, you're, it, you're, you're bred. But that, that only happens to um, uh, when you have female infidelity. Now, historically, if you look about 500 years ago or before, um, the race of the child was determined by the father. Mm which sort of makes sense in patriarchal society. The father is the one that's important, but this had to be changed. And it was changed to the race of the kid being the race of the mother, because that's the racist one. So if someone, uh, an aristocrat, has sex with a slave woman, who is, let's say, black, a, a white aristocrat in, in the America, has sex with a, a, a black slave, 
you cannot have his son become an aristocrat because that would be a half black aristocrat, which probably looks dark skinned. And you don't want to have an injection of dark skinned colored people into your aristocracy. I can, so very quickly they changed <laughs> that the, the class of the child is determined by the mother. Yeah. And so absolutely. even if the father rapes the, 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 the slave, his children will not be aristocrats. There's a, so, very, there's a very notable example of this, which is a man called Saint-Georges, who in the 18th century was considered the finest swordsman and the finest violinist in France. Um, one of his pieces was lifted completely by Mozart, who put it into one of his violin concertos. Um, and his father was a French aristocrat and his mother was a black slave. And the consequence of that was that he was very famous in his time. He was, all sorts of accolades were heaped upon him and he could not marry. There was no person that he could marry because, <laughs> you know, he could not be his father's child and he could not be his mother's child. So he sadly left us without any children because a man of such great talent, you know, would have been useful for some genetic continuity. So what you say is absolutely true, that it was happening within the aristocracy. It's also true when you look to the, the awful history of, of slavery in the Americas, that uh, John Campbell Jr., who was the um, editor of Astounding Science Fiction, but also did actually have a degree in physics, unlike Ron Hubbard, who he published, um, he was... Um, you know, a black man one day said to him, you know, your ancestors did awful things to, to my people. And Campbell stopped him and he said, no, I can trace my ancestry back to Scotland. You know, my parents were immigrants or what have you. I can tell you that, that, that my family were very much involved in the fight against slavery. They were never slavers. None of them were slavers within the generations he knew about. However, I can tell you for certain that at least one of your ancestors was a slaver because in the early slave populations, the only women who gave birth, the only women who were healthy enough to give birth were those who were house slaves. And they were house slaves because they were pretty and they were compliant and rapable. And so the population pretty quickly had, so, so where your blood comes from becomes utterly irrelevant that, you know, from, from that point of view. There is no racial purity either way. And the atrocities committed by our great-grandparents are not our fault. You know? Now, a, a lot of the, the racist thinking also comes from antiquity through the Bible, mm. where in antiquity, and, and you see this also in the Bible, the assumption was that the mother is only an instrument in creating a child and that the father is actually the only actual contributor yeah. to the child. The mother is just a vessel that inflates the child or something like that. And as such, you can have things in the Bible where, you know, God promises Abraham that his seed would be as plentiful as the sand on the as, as the grains of sand on the beach and as the stars in the sky and i remember being uh -huh. a kid a kid in israel learning learning bible in third grade thinking yeah but there's a lot of seed a lot of grains of sands on the beach and you can see like 30 stars 
<laughs> but of course, when you go to Wyoming here in America, you see why <laughs> that, that was a comparable number because you see what stars look like mm -hmm. without light pollution. But um, the idea that that a, a person could have so many descendants that come from the seed of Abraham and, and the whole, right, the, the, the New Testament starts with, uh, uh, what is it, 30, 50 begets between King David and, and Jesus, right? Because Jesus needs to come from the seed of King David. Yeah. So if you would appreciate that not only your father's 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 father contributed to your biology, but also other people contributed to your biology. And of course, the white chromosome, which is the only one that does travel like this, is an extremely tiny chromosome that doesn't, they haven't found any traits other than making you a male that mm -hmm. are on the white chromosome. And I think that they, the only trait that they found that's related to the white chromosome is hair on the ear. Mm. <laughs> but other than that because it's a tiny little chromosome all the other chromosomes are way 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 bigger than it um so the the idea that it it, it makes a difference whether jesus is you know uh that because the prophecy was that the messiah would be from the seed of david and david is supposed to be uh a thousand bc so you need whatever 20 begets 30 begets um and and of course that's how the the new testament starts with that list um but it it when you know actual biology that the mother and the father actually intermix because we have genetic networks so your traits are not based it's not one trait one gene it's one trait the genetic network in which case the mother and the father really do mix trait wise but also genetically, then it wouldn't make sense to be from the seed of some of someone a thousand years before you. And, and but that that kind of 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 um, you know paternal thinking of biology, I think I think survived somehow into the present. Um, yeah, and 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 Jesus, of course, was of the seed of God, not of the seed of Abraham. His father was God. So yeah, that's right. It's only something. No, not the, well, not the seed of David, right? But um, yeah, I guess I don't know how that's supposed to work. Is, oh, so his mother is from the seed of David? Yeah, you see. And uh, it all. But then she. Like yeah, it all. <laughs> yeah. But she but, did send yeah, no. That's all right. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, elaborate. The, the thing is, we, we've been talking about how there is no Aryan race. And there is no Jewish race and there is no English race, but racism is not about reality. <laughs> racism is about imagination. So you can say that no Aryans don't exist, but if they knock on your door and they drag you to a concentration camp, there they are. <laughs> Telling them that they don't exist is not going to help you uh, because it is a, a, a psychological construct. It's a, it's a culture. It's a, it's, a, it's a belief that becomes powerful when it is shared among some, a lot of people. And as such, it's extremely real. <laughs> so races aren't real. Racism is real. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, it, it gets confusing. We have this word genocide, which is the, 
the killing of a genus. Yeah. And um, we're just a species, you know, and so it should really be called subspecieside. Yeah, and, and the thing is that humans, it, it, it seems like we went through at least one major bottleneck in our evolutionary past. So um, that means that there was a point that there was a whole lot of humans, but then there was a point where very few humans survived. That might have been part of the, the young Dryas uh, period that's, that's about 12,000 years ago when meteorites hit the earth, but it could have been also earlier with some kind of uh, um, where, and, and because of that, humans are more genetically homogenous than, than other animals mm -hmm. that you would expect. Um, another famous animal is the cheetah, which is, went through a really major bottleneck. Um, so all cheetahs are much more closely genetically related to each. I think they can all uh, donate organs to each other, cheetahs. <laughs> but um, does that happen often? Do you think? Or? <laughs> but um, while wild rabbits and domesticated rabbits can't even interbreed, they're that different. But you know, so with other animals that are spread all over the earth, like humans are, you expect a lot more variation than humans have. Yeah. Um, and, and what constitutes a species is, is the, the ability to interbreed. So human yeah. beings are a single species. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where we see, you know, if a horse and a donkey breed, they can produce yeah. offspring, yeah. Milk, yeah. but well, they, in, in, offspring in, will be sterile. Yeah, and, and in, in, uh, uh, in nature, it's not the ability to interbreed, is that if they do ever interbreed. So you can have a, a different species, one only has sex at the day and one only has sex at night. They could interbreed, but they never do. And as such, the reproductive isolation is maintained, even though they could have, uh, uh, they could interbreed. But uh, yeah, in humans, absolutely, all human populations can very easily interbreed. But the, it, it, it seems, uh, it, it looks like uh, because all human populations came from Africa, there's a lot more variation in Africa. Mm. So you can have two African people that are less genetically close to each other than either one of us is to you or to me. Mm. So there's more types of black people than any other types of human um, and we know that the tallest people in the world are the Maasai in Sudan, the shortest people are the pygmies. Um, so, I mean, we see the, the, this kind of, uh, but of course, this is all, we're at the very end of that. In 100, 200 years, um, we're all gonna be a lot more uh, um, outer bred. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have a lot more uh, different types of ancestors. And if, Today we are extremely racist. Then that would might slow it down. So only in two hundred years we're all mixed. Well, if we're not racist, it's in one hundred and fifty years. <laughs> it's it, even if you work hard on reproductive isolation, mm -hmm. it's not. It's 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 that fantasy is is a lost cause. You're not going to be able to have. I mean, no matter what you imagine, purebred humans. It's it's not. Uh, it's not, uh, and, and it's not going to happen. And if it does, it's going to be extremely tragic and, and unhealthy, probably. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Uh, 
or, or <laughs> Doctor Strangelove, where all the only the generals get to survive the nuclear war in the in the in the bunker or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Sovereign citizens, identity Christians, and uh, followers of uh, the god Thor, apparently, who will all be in their little uh, bomb shelters away from the rest of us. Well, is there anything that, that you'd like to to add to that or? Um, no, I think, I think, yeah, just don't be racist. <laughs> don't be racist. It's a very bad idea. So, yeah, you know, no, we... I, I do think that if, if someone for his own um, wants to only marry someone from a certain nation or a certain background or a certain religion, I think that that is legitimate. If you want your children to maintain this reproductive isolation, that's illegitimate. Yes, you shouldn't have the right so to. I think that as someone can say, I only want to marry whatever race people, I don't think that makes you racist. If you only want your children to marry one race people, that does make you It's racist. a good point. Yeah. Um, I only wanted to marry a Hollywood star who was very rich, but just didn't happen. And instead, I'm marrying somebody that I really love. So, you know, it's yeah, much yeah. better. Great. Well, thank you very much, Yuval. Um, I'm John Atak. Yuval Law, PhD, and um, we, we will see you again next time. Hi, John here. Thanks for watching. We'd appreciate it very much if you would click like, as well as subscribe, and click the bell for notifications. Every dollar helps, and we welcome new patrons on Patreon. We can make a one-off payment with any currency through PayPal. Thanks so much.